Isn't isn't he SIQ over in Finn Hall? <laughs> okay. Now do do whatever do whatever you want, dog. I'll tell him. I don't know where he is though. Your video is so shitty. There it is. <laughs> like covered in fucking salt water. My camera was dirty. Where are you right now? Did you fuck up? Okay, is it back? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, just so like you have a fucking like this is where we fucking live. So you're sleeping on? Are you you're sleeping on the on the ground with uh, a sex? Pool? I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping on my fucking bed there because yeah. But this is like the barracks that we have to live in. Nice. Um, no, it's how, not. How nice. many how many people are are in there? Four four people to a room. Okay. And are these people that are injured as well? No, there's four people in my room. Only one person still in training right now. I, uh, two, two people quit and I got hurt and oh fucking God. And nobody made it in my room. No one in your room. Um, and the other guy is, he's still in. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So how many people are left from the original class, do you know? It's got to be like under 60. Under 60? Damn. Yeah. Okay. Well, here, let me show you just really quick. I'm going to do a quick screen share super quick to show you the shit that I'm talking about. And so it'll maybe make sense like what we're going to do. Can you, can you see my screen? Yeah. Okay. So basically, like every time that I have a, a, a big meeting where I'm presenting in front of a lot of people, I start everything off with some sort of story. And it, it's all like different themes and shit. So a couple examples, like one of them, I talked about um, my coach in college and his whole thing was don't ride the highs too high or the lows too low. And it, it was like when you're swimming, right? If you do a really good time, don't get too fucking excited. And if you do really bad, don't let it, don't, don't be a poopy pants about it. Mm -hmm. So, and that has to do with sales as well, right? Like when you have quotas. So we did that. Uh, I did one about Bruce Watson who was my uh, water polo or swim coach at West Valley. And his whole thing was probably a little bit more relevant to what you're doing, but his was, his quote was handle the adversity. And this tied into like, when you're in a water polo game and shit's not going your way and the, and like, basically everything's going against you. Like, are you going to deal with it or are you not? So did that one. I did one about, uh, about Dick. You remember that guy? And yeah. <laughs> And his was, this was more a very light version of kind of what, what you're doing, where it's like, hey, if you're exhausted, you, fig you, you figure out a way to make it happen and push through your perceived limitations. But uh, again, a more mild version. Last quarter, I talked about surfing at four mile and almost dying and basically trying hey, to make- you fucking, did you, you put the picture of the fin? Yeah, because I was talking about the sharks and everything. Because I was like, yeah, in California, you have shark infested waters, you have big waves, you have big water you have all this bad stuff. And I was like, yeah. And, and this is a picture from buds where they're going through and swimming and, and sharks are literally attacking you. So mine was about um, making decisions when there's chaos around you, because with, with surfing, if you went in and the waves were super big, if you turned around, you were going to get thrown onto the sand and literally break your neck. So for this one, 
Um, I know you're up, you obviously are going through all your shit and I'm putting together my deck, my presentation right now. So I have all my work stuff that's going to be later on. And from a theme standpoint, I'm just trying to learn from you and I'll be taking notes about like the stuff that you've learned so far. And I know that a lot of it's just a lot of bullshit and it's been tough, but I think there are a lot of like really important lessons that you're learning. So yeah. I just wanted to kind of start off with some basic shit from your standpoint. And I sent you some questions this morning over uh, that. And a lot of the time you're going to, you know, there's like a quote from fucking Theodore Roosevelt or something that talks about people that are in the arena and, you know, people that are doing stuff. You mentioned like being a dying breed. So I I guess to start things off, tell me about like what separates the group. Are you you going to use the actual video right now? Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm recording it. So in the future, I can chop it up if I want to, but for I me, it's mostly to just re- remember the, the audio. So yeah, we can start at any time, but my idea would be if there's really good shit and we have good, and we talk about good stuff, I can save the audio version and maybe even the video, and then we can talk about stuff later on. But yeah, to yeah, start things off, um, I, I'm just curious, like you obviously left software sales and a very cush, easy life to do this. And obviously you had some sort of like calling to do it. So just talk to me about like what caused you to make that decision. That's generally the case for a lot of people is if you, um, one of the main things that they drill into you here is like, why are you here? And um, what is your why? Because what they tell you is as training progresses and things get more and more intense and more and more stressful. And you just, the whole point of this whole first phase in the pipeline is to basically just tear you down completely to your bare bones. So like everything that you are, you think you are, they completely strip away. And basically they want to narrow it down to like where you're at your bare bones where you're like literally almost dead. And the only thing that's kind of keeping you in is why you're here. And for a lot of people, um, before Hell Week started, they go up on stage and like they'll explain like their why. Some people, it's like super intense stuff. Like their parents like died on 9-11 or something and they're here to go like get like payback in the Middle East or something. And some people are like who have, a, who are uh, branch transfer services from like Marines. We had some Marine officers in who will be like, I was over there and we saw like how countless like civilian casualties and stuff they want to do it and then there's other people who are like i just don't want to do anything else i just want to be a seal i want to do this so um but everyone always kind of has that internal like calling to come here and um and unless you have it it's kind of a hard thing to describe um because like you kind of know once you start getting into the pipeline and everything like what you're getting into and like how terrible and shitty everything's going to be but then it's like, what's going to be, is, is that calling like strong enough to keep you here pretty much? So it can be a range for, yeah, lots of different but, reasons, but. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and the crazy thing too, is that you have a lot of people like to even sign up in the first place is a big commitment mm-hmm. because there's a shit ton that goes into it. You have to do the, the ASVAB, right? A written test. You have yeah. to go through all this physical screening. You have to hit all these physical marks and challenges and, it's and just from a training standpoint to prepare <laughs> for it and just all the back end stuff requires a tremendous amount of work, right? Yeah. So this the amount of gates that you have to go through just to get 
not even into phase, just into just to get to San Diego. So obviously you have to take your you have to go and talk to a recruiter and you have to start the screening process for that. So they look for like very specific things with your background and you have to have a bunch of references for them to even consider you as an applicant. And then once you pass that that initial screening process, then they'll send you to the special warfare coordinator where you'll start the training where you have to take the PST, the physical standards test, where it's a series of swimming, running, push-ups, pull-ups and sit-ups and you have to hit um a very high number of them you have to basically be in the auto qual like the very high percentile in order to even be considered for a contract and basically what they do is you have to join the navy before they let you take that test so you're automatically like once you start the process you're like already you're in um so there's like kind of like you have to go all in right from the beginning so you take that you get contracted and then when you're contracted obviously you go to boot camp um, when you go to boot camp, you have a very different boot camp experience from everyone else that initially goes in because they're doing regular jobs. You're what's known as an 800 division. So that's everyone who would go in who's trying to be a SEAL, a diver, EOD, uh, or a rescue swimmer, any of the special warfare rates. And basically, you get less sleep. You have more physical training, and you're held to a much higher standard than everyone else because you're expected to be a lot more squared away than everyone else. Um, so you come out of boot camp after your eight weeks of doing all that. Cool. Um, you get, you still stay in Chicago, but you go to a base pretty much right across the street where you start prep and prep is just basically boot camp gets you out of shape from where you were going into it when you were preparing for the PST and everything. And you don't do as much working out as you were doing before. You have a lot less rest. So you're more or less out of shape. Prep just gets you back into shape and kind of familiarizes you with, some of the exercises and some of the environment that you're going to be going into. Yeah. So you're there for eight weeks, our case, because of COVID, we were there for 16 weeks, but. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so you stayed there for 16 weeks uh, because of COVID. And then from there you go to Coronado. Um, well, then after that, typically what um, the initial, what, what is normal it, or more or less normal is that once you, because everyone thinks that once you hit your PST and you go to boot camp, you're like set and you're good to go. But then what they hit you with out of prep is your final test gate to get out of prep. And it's a pass fail. And if basically if it's another PST, it's very similar to the PST that you did when you, before you even went to boot camp. but the run is longer and the swim is longer and the standard for pushups, pull-ups and sit-up is higher. And if you fail that, then your, your pipeline ends there and you don't even get to come out to Coronado. So we had, we lost actually a good handful of dudes in Chicago because they couldn't pass that. Um, but then they ship you out to Coronado. So you get out here, then, um, you have like a weekend out here before you start basic orientations or bow and you go through the entirety of bow for three weeks where it's basically buds with training wheels. Um, that's where you start actually getting familiarized with like doing stuff in the ocean and the type of workouts that you're going to be doing. Um, do that for three weeks. And then at the end of the third week, there's another test out to, for you to go from bow to actually start going into phase mm -hmm. where they have you do, the four mile time run in your in boots and long pants in the sand that they have you do a two mile ocean swim with all of your gear on. Um, and then you have to do the obstacle course. And from there, it's not even about passing. It's about scoring in the highest percentile of your class. Cause our bow 
when we started, we had 250 some odd people and they can only take 150 people into the BUDS class itself. So there's going to be a hundred or so people who either get rolled or dropped from the program and completely. So it's making it, that's another test gate that you have to go through. And that's pretty much your final gate that you get to right before you start phase. And then, so to, so to, to just to pause really quick, after all that stuff in, in Chicago, once you have the people that have hit all the standards, you have 250 that make it to bow. And then only out of that 150 class up to, to phase one. Yes. Okay. So it's, it's, you're, you're, you're still, you're still competing all the way through, even when you get like, even when you think that the competition ends when you're trying to get your PST and trying to get your contract initially, but the competition doesn't end until like you're literally starting week one, day one of phase. Got um, it. then, and the fun starts and go to, so out one. of those 150 that's make it to phase one, how many make it to week four to even begin hell week? It varies from class to class, time of the year, who's proctoring the class and how the instructors feel. But typically, you'll lose um, at least a third of the class um, in the first one to two weeks, maybe. And then you'll have people start to uh, straggle off from there. But um, in the 80s to 90s of the 150, that's how many people will be at there at the beginning of week four. Okay. Okay. So, that I mean, that's a huge number that's a third of the people even make it to hell week that already signed up that already hit all the standards that did all that sort of stuff what what even from that one third because the 80 is not even like that's when you get the craziness happening that's when you actually have that's when you really have to prove it what differentiates those 80 that go and start hell week from the 250 that that made it to bow um mental maturity is a big thing typically the younger guys don't make it very far um, if they make it into phase they don't make it very far once it starts because <clears throat> they don't have as a combination of like foresight and looking ahead in the future and they can only see what's right in front of them sometimes or they can't see what's coming after that or they choose to look at the entirety of a whole and it's so it's like the whole thing like it's how you eat an elephant one bite at a time um we see the most people quit on a Monday morning before the week even starts because yeah. you just, you just talk about that week. too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I, I think the biggest one of that, that probably a lot of that 25% is like the able to compartmentalize the training and look at stuff like one step at a time and not overwhelm yourself with looking at the amount, the horrible pile of stuff that you just have sitting for you um, at the beginning of the week. Yeah, no, and that's interesting. And I'm, I'm re-listening to David Goggin's book because one of his big sections is actually about how we can all that sort of stuff because he had to go through it three fucking times in one year. And for him, he made it through the first, he made it to hell week the first time, then got double pneumonia and got rolled back to, the, to uh, a brand new class at the beginning of, of Bo, I believe, right? Because that when you, mm -hmm. so you have to start over there. And then the second time he, he got an injury, had to go back again. Um, but the people that want to go back and, and have that, like that want to go back for seconds and have a chip on their shoulder, that's a whole different thing, which I do want to talk about in a sec. But when you're talking about like the mental stamina and mental toughness, t tell me about the guy on your boat crew who was just like really, really tough, strong dude, bad motherfucker. And what happened before he went to hell week? Because this seemed like the best guy and he, and he quit before it even started. <laughs> 
Yeah, so he had um, a series of events that led him to, so there's a protocol that happens if you get sick, you get sick in quarters, and it's basically you sit in your room all day and you don't train. And we, you, the week before, or a couple of days before Hell Week starts on that, on the Tuesday before you have to go do a medical screening. So they just, no, sorry, Wednesday before you have to go do like a medical screening where they just make sure that you're not, that you're healthy enough to go into the week um, and that you're not. There. Yeah. I think I just yeah, lost yeah. your video. Yeah. Hang on. I need to take this call real quick. I don't know who it is. Okay. I'll call you back in a sec. All right. To be continued. Hospital, making sure that I got my MRI. Um, okay, cool. So, so yeah, like, um, <coughs> before you go in, um, just just tell me about like this guy. Why was he such a like? It seems like he was going to be like the guy to get everyone through Hell Week. Like, yeah. So, what happened was when we did that initial pre-screening, um, the night. What we'll do sometime. What we'll do once a week is you'll have a night evolution where you'll do some kind of training event that will go through the night and that the morning after that is typically like one of the worst mornings of the week for everyone. Cause you sleep maybe one or two hours that night and you have to go right back into training. And we had a night evolution is really cold. And then it was a lot of yelling and stuff. And he lost his voice that night. And when they went, we had the medical screening the next morning and they thought that he sounded like he was sick or he had a cold or something. And they made him take a mandatory uh, 96 hour isolation. So basically while everyone else would have to train like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he would have those three days off, including the weekend and then go into hell week. So he was basically getting a five day weekend and the instructors took notice of that. And they said, they're basically like, we're going to fuck you up in hell week. We're going to see how much we can make you bleed. We're going to like, they're just completely getting into his head. Um, and we had you, the thing that they do right before hell week starts is they basically isolate you, the class as a whole and have you sit in the classroom for eight to 10 hours um, and just kind of like wait. So it's a big, like kind of mental mind fuck that they have you do. And I think that's all he was thinking about that entire time was, oh my God, they're going to fuck me up they're not going to let me pass. They're not going to let me do this, this, this. And then when the time came for everything to start moving forward, he was just, he just was like, Nope, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. So it was a mental, mental test for him. And he just got in his own head over the course of those hours and was not able to go forward. That's kind of crazy to me because people spend their whole life. Like this is a lot of the time, like what they're doing. And, and that's why, you know, when a lot of people quit, they get put on suicide watch because it mm -hmm. is such a big deal and you can't even, people can't deal with the fact that they had to give up. They feel like a quitter. I mean, what does that like mean to you guys when you saw that happen? Like, what was your reaction? Cause he was part of your boat crew. Initially when you come in, um, everyone has the same, like, Oh, I'm never going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to do this. And like, you have like a big circle of friends and everyone has that same attitude. And just as the days go by, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And the more stuff you do, the more, it's like when you're in boot camp or prep, people are like, oh, if you quit, you're like such a pussy. Like, I'm not going to talk to you if you quit or this, this, this. And like, it's looked very looked down upon. And now when people quit, you're kind of just like, I understand. This isn't this. I can understand. It's very under, like this sucks. Everything about here is awful. If you don't want to do this, like, I don't blame you. Like, I'm almost envious in a way that you can that you get to go leave and I have to continue doing this. But um you don't think down on them or anything, but it's just another like, well, someone else, you're so focused. It's so much, you're not focused on someone leaving. It's just, this is the task at hand and this is what we have to do. And 
that becomes a distraction that you just can't afford to even like really pay attention to at that point. That makes sense. Okay. No, <laughs> I, I totally get that. Um, so for you, for your situation, you made it through the 250. Um, didn't class up the first time to phase one because they had all these rollbacks. It was COVID, even though you had the scores. So reset, did bow, did phase one, got to hell week, made it to that most elite group. And then day two, you completely just shatter your ankle. Um, yeah. But the thing that I thought was like, when everyone was like reaching out, they're like, oh my God, this is so bad. He broke his ankle and all this stuff. And I was almost like, that's a, that's a better outcome, in my opinion, than, than quitting. Is that your thought process as well? Yeah. Um, it's just, you're just like, okay, like you can do it. Men oh, what just happened? My screen go black? Oh. Yeah, you're back. Um, you're like, you can do it mentally, but some, the body just couldn't hold up for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a weird, weird spot to be in because you came very, 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 very far and you're at the tail end of like the most difficult part of the most difficult military training literally in the world. And then something just like a freak accident or misstep and then suddenly like you're now in purgatory with it but um what was the question sorry no uh, i was just curious i was just curious like comparing breaking that bone and, and the pain of that versus the pain of 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 giving up and quitting like yeah i don't remember who said it was it lance armstrong said it whereas like if like there were the the pains only temporary could last a minute it could last a day or even a year but if you quit now then it'll last forever everything so you can see this the the people who when if you get medically pulled or injured like i was or you uh people dor they drop on request or quit then everyone's still put in the same isolation with each other for their mandatory suicide watch coming out of the stressful situation you can kind of see just the defeat on some people's faces and just like how like they're like they don't they have no direction anymore like this is like what they've been planning to do their entire life or like they put so much into it and then something triggered them to just be like, I want to be done. And then now they're sitting in the classroom an hour after, and they're thinking like, why did I just do that? But you can't go back. You can't take it back and be like, no, I want to go back in. As soon as you pull the trigger on that, then as soon as you ring the bell and that's it. So those guys, you're still physically ringing the bell. That's still it. And in hell week, they drive. So on um, any other, any other week during phase, they have, the grinder, which is where all the the duck feet are painted on the uh, ground where you do a lot of the PT. But then there's the office that the instructors work out of. And that's where that's where they keep the bell. So when you want to go quit, they'll take you there. You'll ring the bell, put your helmet down, and then they'll like have you sign paperwork and that's it. And Hell Week, they don't even let you go to the grinder. They drive a truck around with the bell mounted on the back of it. So at any given point, like I, when we did breakout, 20 minutes into breakout, um, people just get up go, and go. Yeah, when they have you start getting in the water for surf torture, um, freezing cold, it's like 10 o'clock Monday night and windy, cold, you're wet and you're in the ocean and you're, when you're laying in the ocean, you can just hear the ding, 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 ding. You can hear people quitting right then. You don't know who's quitting, but you just know people are, but it's, it's weird that the bell is just out. It's everywhere you go and it follows you around everywhere. So, yeah, I, I get it. It's like your escape route almost. It's, it's like, and, and do they do the same stuff where they're just like, Hey, We've got a warm shower. There's tons of food. Like, trust me, you'll be fine. Are they trying to bait you to ring the bell the whole time? 
Um, in my experience with the head, it was not so much like the, we have, like, we can go get you warm and stuff like that. It was more like, we're going to keep you in the water all week. This is as warm as you're going to be. It's only going to get worse from here. If you think this is bad, like wait till tomorrow night. And they're just like hitting you with just mind games, negative reinforcement, telling you like, this is like nothing, blah, blah, blah. You've only been in hell week for two hours. You think this is bad? But we're going to turn you into little popsicles and just like <laughs> just telling you stuff like that <laughs> little shit to really really frustrate you yeah no i get yeah. that um so there, there's a few things there that i want to kind of like dig into a little bit um you described tuesday before hell week with surf torture as one of the most like fucked up experiences can you just t- tell me like describe what that what that was and why it was so hard um, for, for people that don't know what surf torture is. Yeah. So, um, Tuesday was, so it, it all, it always starts at the beginning of the week. So the beginning of the week we have, I remember what we did on the third week. We, it's just a lot of physical training. You're trained to exhaustion in the first four hours of the week. So you're, you just get the shit kicked out of you. Um, I remember we did a four mile time to run on like the soft sand in the middle of the afternoon. And so that's just like brutal on your body. Monday, okay, cool. You finish Monday, you go into Tuesday, same thing. You're already, now your body's just like, you're running on empty at this point. Um, you go all the way up through Tuesday and Tuesday night is when we have the night evolution for night rock portage. And that evolution specifically is probably the most dangerous thing that you do in this pipeline because out in front of um, about a mile down the beach, there's Hotel Del Coronado and out in front of the beach, there's this big outcropping of just rocks, um, big, sharp, slippery rocks. And you're expected to paddle your boat into the rocks, land your boat on the rocks in a super specific way and get your boat over the rocks back onto shore. Um, and you do it during the daytime on week two, just to practice. And then you do it at nighttime on week three. So you can't see the waves coming and the ocean's much more, um, the waves are bigger and everything's like just worse at night. So you just kind of don't know what's going on. So it's just a mental trip. Um, But basically you, a lot of it also stems from what you hear from rollbacks before they're like, Oh yeah, we went, we did the rock forage. Then we ran back here and then we were done at like 9 PM. And then as soon as ours started, we're, they put you in the water, they lay you down, surf torture you. So yeah, say, yeah. Say what surf torture is. So what they'll have you do is they'll, as soon as you hear them say shoulder to shoulder, water's edge, then you're like, this is going to suck. So they basically have the entire class, however many of you, 90, 100 people line up standing shoulder to shoulder. They have you link arms with each other. And then they just tell you to start walking forward into the water. So you'll walk forward till you get to somewhere between knee and waist deep. And they'll tell you to stop and they'll just be like, lay down. So you'll be laying down in the water and the waves just come and eventually push you into shore. And no matter how good you are with the cold or how much it doesn't bother you, it's probably the coldest you'll ever be in your entire life. Um, and there's how long do you no, do it for? Typically it's like a 30, you you stay in the water for about 30 minutes, um, just laying there with the waves crashing over you. And then they will pull you out of the water, have you line up and then they'll have medics come and check people for like really quick scanning for hypothermia. And then once they get the, okay, that no one has hypothermia, they'll be like, turn around, get back in the water. And they have you walk back out and they'll have you do that three times usually. So you'll spend 60 to 90 minutes in the water. 
um, and your whole body, your body's locking up, your muscles are cramping and you're just shaking and shivering the entire time. The people who are holding on to you are shaking and shivering the entire time. So it's just a miserable experience, but that's the first thing that we did on that night. Um, so it already starts off. You're like, this is not going to be a fun night. Go and we do the rock portage. Um, you're doing stuff with the boats and you're doing exercises and just stuff to, make you miserable and mm -hmm. then on the way back um we run with the boat on your head for about a mile down back to where the beach is and that's when they put us in the water um so typically it's like like i said maybe an hour to an hour and a half and we were probably in the water for two and a half hours that time and so it was after you already did surf torture then you get out run and then they're like all right come back you're fucking going in again yep, yep. God. so that's what and it you have an idea because we've done it so many times you're like okay it's going to be three 30 minute iterations then we're going to be done and then you go on to like a fourth one and then a fifth one and you're now you're starting to wonder like wait how long are we going to be doing this for and it goes on and on and on and on and on and um we lost i think we i think we lost seven people that night due to the cold um so that was a it was just a brutal evening um that went to about 12 30 at night um because we had heard stories people like they're like yeah it ends at like 9 30 and we were there much longer than that just in the water and yeah yeah so that and, and that's a crazy thing and, and one thing that like that that speaking of goggins just because i'm reading his book he talks a lot about that is like you have to be in your in that moment in your mind right with buds you can't just look at it at the as the graduation you what he says is you have to you know be in that water and realize that you know, at any moment your legs can break and your knees can break and your bones are going to hurt. You're going to be as cold as you can ever, you, you would ever be in your entire life. And you have to know that in your brain that you're going to experience that. So I'm curious for you specifically, um, you obviously swam water competent, all that stuff, but the cold is the cold. What, what's going through your brain when you're doing, when you're in the most uncomfortable spot that you've ever been in? Um, a lot of people have different ways of coping with it. Um, some people like they go to a happy place in their head and they're able to kind of just escape it. And they're kind of numb, not so much numb to it, but desensitized to it because they're mentally just not there. Um, for me, especially during those nights, what I would always think is there's a very specific shower that we have in the barracks here. And I was like, no matter how long they keep me in the water at some point tonight, I'm going to be in that hot shower. I'm going to go back. I'm going to put on like a sweatshirt, sweatpants and beanie. And I'm going to be like w way too warm in my bed. Like the cold, it's not going to last forever. And I know that I'm going to be able to just give like that one small thing. Like just like, I'm going to be able to get in the shower at some point tonight and it's going to be over at some point. I will be warm again. Um, that's typically what I thought about the entire time during those. So it's kind of like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, they can, they can fuck with me as much as they want, but guess what? I know what I'm going to, do at the end of the yeah. night kind of thing okay yeah i mean that's a that's that's certainly a way to do it and i'm sure with hell week it's even harder uh because yeah, you're mentally the, preparing for 130 right. hours yeah the only thing with hell week is there's no warm shower that's coming your way <laughs> that you know of so like then in hell week you're like the sun's going to come out at some point tomorrow and it's going to be warm again um and <laughs> but the just, sun will come the sun will come up that's what you have to rely on yeah okay Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get that. And I'm sure that that's ex ex extremely hard. Um, I'm just curious, like, I'm just curious from, from your standpoint, like, where do you think that like you've got the ability to do this? Like, what do you attribute that to like your, 
mental fortitude and toughness. And like, you know, we, for, for our lives, like, you know, dad's had his whole, his whole thing that he's had to go through. We've had a fuck ton of ups and downs and crazy shit that we've seen crazy injuries, like deaths, sickness, like really insane stuff that we've experienced in our life. I'm curious for you, like, what do you attribute not necessarily the motivation, but like the, the mental fortitude to continue doing it. Can you look back at like, yeah, this, this drove me to this, or I can go back and say that like, this gave me the confidence or it's a very broad question, but I'm just curious, like, if that makes sense, how you'd answer that. Um, they, so we do a lot of mental toughness stuff here and they, te- they, they try to teach you as much of it as you can, as they can and like what are good techniques and stuff. But at the end of the day, um, I think that it's something that it's you, you either are able to do it or you, or you aren't able to do it. Um, <clears throat> you're seeing like a lot of people in books and stuff say that um, buds and all this doesn't make seals. Um, it just Proof, reveals who they it. are. Yeah. So it's like that if you're, if you're, if you're here on the beach and you're doing stuff, the seals are already here. It's just shaving off, trimming the fat and getting everyone else out of the way. Um, so it's, I, I think it's a lot more something like that rather than something you can kind of like train yourself to be able to suffer that much. Um, and to be kind of just able to mentally push through what they do. Uh, cause it's just such a unique environment and such a weird spot that it's very hard to describe the amount of stress, physical and emotional, and like every, all the factors that they do that they put in. It's, it's not, it's not something you can train for. Um, there's nothing that you can really prepare you for it. It's just like, you're here and you just have to do it. And you, I mean, the, the attrition numbers show you that just not everyone can do it and that there's just certain qualities that people don't have, or do have that allow them to succeed or fail. Well, what qualities do you have that en- enable you to do that? And I had another question that was in there that I was going to ask, um, what gave you the confidence to know that you're able to do that? Because the odds are there are the odds are against you. And the fact that you're doing it have made it that far is something that most people will never experience ever. Like we used to say that with working out, remember, like, you know, no one's gonna, no one's going to feel what it feels like to pick up 405 pounds or like have a pump this serious, but this is just a whole level of pain and suffering. So number one, what gave you the confidence to do it? And number two, um, fuck, what was the first, whatever I asked the first time, let's just start with it to make it simple. What gave you the confidence to know that you're able to do this? Um, I mean, it's just knowing you can, (laughs) um, did you get that from some, from somebody in your, in your life growing up, was it a coach? Was it a person? Was it someone that you were like, fuck yeah, I got that shit. I think it's just something that, you know, intrinsically, like the, it's like, they can do, you can do whatever you want, but like, I, you, you can't break me type of thing. Um, you just, you, it's something that you have to know about yourself. It's, it's an intrinsic thing that it's not like that comes out from like some, because if it comes from like a coach or it comes from an external like source then you're fucked because all that's taken away you're not in a reinforced environment you're not having people say like oh you got this you can do it you have nothing to really fall back on except what's the bare bones of what's in your head and that's going to be the ultimate factor of what drives you to either continue on or deselect yourself from the program but you develop 
but you develop that intrinsic quality throughout your life. You're like, I, I know that some people may just be completely born with it, but the shit you go through in your life forms that ability for you to do it. Yes and no. Um, I would, if, if you would have asked me that before, I would have said that like, then you can learn it over time, but I don't think you can learn it over time. I think it's like so how you, how you deal with individual situations is, um, uh, will be like a reflection of your experiences and what you've gone through before, but just the raw base of knowing your limitations and, how much you can push yourself and how, what it would take to break you is just something that is for there. It's just there. And it's either you have it or you don't have a deal. When you're, when you're going through and just going through the hard stuff, is your mind more so focused on the, like, you can't break me. Like, I just know I'm going to, I know I'm here for this specific reason, but I'm curious if there's any experiences that kind of flash back in your brain that reinforce. Cause Here's what the thing I'm asking is like with David Goggins, for example, and I, I don't want to keep on bringing him up, but it's just relevant because I'm reading the book. He talks about like the, the mental cookie jar, right? Where you can go back on some of your experiences that you've overcome something or that you've had to deal with something really hard. And then when you can go back on that, you get strength from it in those hardest of times. Do you go back to any of that stuff or not really? Um, not so much. I think that because... I think David Goggins is a weird, is a weirder case because he had an extremely like fucked up childhood and growing up life. So he was already kind of, he, that, that's like the only like kind of like factor where if someone does have something like that, then this can seem like it's not super different from their life growing up, but just the amount of shit that goes on all the time. But um, I mean, even from doing um, swimming at the NCAA level and like getting like fucking run over by cars and breaking bones and doing all this shit. Nothing has been as stressful or as difficult as here was. So I don't feel like there's anything you can really fall back on because everything is so much less than it was um, coming into here. So do you think that, do you think going through all this stuff changes your outlook? Yes. On everything. How so? Like you do, you don't come out here the same person. Um, what is the biggest when changes he, you've noticed? Um, in terms of like things that are difficult or just definitely you notice that when you, you look at everyone in the outside world with kind of almost disdain uh, at this point, because um, just like we were, we were talking about it at dinner, people who like go like an eight hour work day, like, are you fucking kidding me? I would love an eight hour work day or like something like you, unless you something horribly traumatic has happened in someone's life. Like they do not know what difficult. They do not know what hard, they do not know what stressed and they do not know what pain is like, unless you've been here or you've had some, yeah, I don't want to say only here, but cause some, I'm sure someone somewhere has had some traumatic experience. I don't like it, make a generalization like that, but just like when people like in jobs, like when, when I was like doing software, working at Orange Theory or doing anything, when people are like, oh, I'm so tired. Um, sorry, my phone keeps flashing. The, um, like, oh, I'm so tired. This is going to be so hard, blah, blah, blah. And then when you think about that, and then it's like a Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, you've slept for three hours in the last three days you're training physically training for like 20 to 22 hours a day and just having people screaming at you through megaphones with nothing but negativity. Like, and then you're underneath a 280 pound boat with six other people. And if someone's not carrying their weight, then you're getting crushed by your, like your neck and your back. And it's just, 
people are screaming, the instructors are screaming at you, other students are screaming at you, and people are trying to like coordinate and stuff into just chaos and you're tired, your body's already broken down and you're just in some of the most intense pain that you've ever felt before. And then you think back and you're like, I was sitting at a fucking desk in an air conditioned room and people are saying that this is hard to write emails and stuff. And I'm like, this is, this is fucking hard. Um, so it just definitely changes your perspective on like things that are difficult and how more so out in the real world, like you, it's one of those things that like you, you can't appreciate, um, unless you've really been here and done that to yourself. Um, it's like, there's a, there's a spot, there's like a place that you can go to mentally. I think that people who do like CrossFit or something, they might be able to go to that place, like at the end of a super intense workout for the last like three or four minutes where they're like gassing themselves a hundred percent balls to the wall. And they're like at the, at the end of the rope and they're just like dying. Um, you can like someone who's doing like as many burpees as they can in like five minutes or something. And you literally feel like you're going to die, but they're in that place for like a couple of minutes at a time. It's just this weird mental state where you're like, I'm going to die if I stay here. But rather than being there for two or three minutes at a time, you're there for almost five days at a time. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people will ever experience feeling that way, Um, which is unfortunate for them. But it's also fortunate for them that they don't have to go there. But it's it's just hard to appreciate um, what like suffering and cold and pain and uncomfortable and all that stuff is um unless you've like truly been in like very far up shit creek which is what they have us basically here for the for the last like month yeah no i i I get that and and with a lot of those lessons a lot of the guys that have gone through the program they'll come back and then they'll apply it to like regular life because once you're done with this eventually you'll most likely go back to the real world where you're not getting screamed at and having to like, you know, lay in the fucking cold, hopefully. Um, But, but in a lot of the time, you know, they develop those specific habits. And if you look at someone like Jocko, you know, his whole thing is like, you know, waking up early daily discipline and a lot of the, just doing the the shit that you need to fucking do. And for me, like I'm the way that I kind of like take that and, and look at what you're doing is, well, I should have no excuses for anything and I should be grateful for a lot of it. But at the same time, if I'm not pushing myself and challenging myself, you know, it's, it's like, you're getting soft. So the way that I've kind of like watched what you've done is like, yeah, before I was doing a workout from 6am to 7am, it's like, no, I need to push myself harder. So it's waking up early when you don't want to every single day to do the stuff and to push yourself harder than you pushed to come to work and do the right things day after day. So, so I'm curious though, when you talk about like, Hey, you don't really understand. Most people don't understand what hard really is what can someone who doesn't understand that take as a lesson and apply it to their life? Because when I'm talking to these guys, like I certainly haven't gone through what you've gone through, but a lot of people might look at me as like, Oh yeah, he works hard. He wakes up at four 30, but it's, it's nowhere near this. So what can the average person learn from your experience? What lessons? Good. Thank you. Um, I think, what they can take from that. So obviously like the main first thing is that um, like you're, you're, you're limited by like your own self-talk and your own psyche and you're capable of much more than you think you're capable of. Um, So like going off of that premise, like just like sometimes when you describe the shit that we do here on a week to week basis, people are like, 
how the fuck do you do that? Are like on hell week, you're, like you're awake for 120 hours doing continuous training and you're doing, it's just constant suffering and constant pain and constant everything. And at the end of the day, like these are just regular, regular dudes. Um, there's not, there's nothing, these aren't superhumans. Like you do have like professional athletes and stuff come through the program. But for the most part, these are like, some of these kids are just out of high school. Some of these kids are, um, they, everyone comes from such a different background. Some people like they can't swim very well. They can't run. They can't do certain things very well, but it's so accessible that people can like, if they can pass the gates, they can get here. But it's just something that's an internal thing that you just kind of need to decide you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. Um, and that all kind of comes down to you. And it's not so much that stuff's impossible. It's just, it's, you can, everything is doable. That's what they tell us. That's what you hear from a lot of, they're like, everything's doable. It's not impossible. You can do it. It just sucks the entire time, but everything's doable. So that's the, I, I would think that like, if you're able to like describe just like how intense and like fucked up this training pipeline is to someone. And then they sit there and they're just like, wow, holy shit. And then you're like, then at the end of the day, you could be like, you could probably do this too. It's not or you, impossible. Or, or you can overcome your own challenges in your life yeah. kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I just, I, I would just want to emphasize how, because just like to how to a normal person, how like insane this, this pipeline sounds and how like, how everything that you do, you're like, holy shit, Navy SEAL training, you do this, 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 you do a thousand lunges, all you do is like burpees and logs and boats and stuff. And you hear it and people are like, oh my God, those guys are like incredible. There's normal people. And if normal people can do this, then whatever you have going on, then you can very easily handle that. You I just think have that's to good. Decide. Yeah. So thematically, the whole, like this experience so far has really just been not necessarily like it is, yes, a physical challenge, but it's not just a physical challenge. It's, it's, it's the battle like that's in your, in your fucking mind. It's more you going up against you and pushing through your perceived limitations. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of it. Definitely. Um, that's probably about half of it. I'd say maybe a little less than half of it. Um, it's difficult to say like what exactly makes it makes it helps you make it through. Um, it's not so much a not, I'm not going to quit mentality. Like it has been in the past where they're like, you'll, if you, as long as you don't quit, you'll make it. That doesn't, that's not it anymore. It's you have to perform. perform. Yeah. Um, that's the biggest part. Like, and like same thing too. Like if you, if you're doing like fucking selling software, if you don't quit, then you're going to be, you're going to be fine. That's not it anymore. It's like you have standards that you have to meet. And if you don't meet them, Um, no matter how, even if you've been up for four days, if you don't meet the standard that's in place, then you don't make it. So, um, and that can be applied to like just every life with in your everyday life of everything that you do. It can be, Hey, I want to lose weight. I want to be healthy. It's like, okay, then you have to eat the right fucking food, even though it sucks. And you kind of have to do these, these various things and you can apply it to anything with the relationships that you have. Um, fuck, I think I'm frozen. Can you still hear me? Yep. I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, hopefully this is all good. Okay, there we go. So yeah, I think I think that's the that that's kind of the big thing that I'm taking away from this is limitations are like self-imposed, but you won't know what your real limitations are unless you put yourself in that position. 
Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. One, one thing that I also, one of the videos, you probably never even watched the stuff that I sent you, but one of them was uh, that guy, Greg, Greg Platt, I believe it's the bodybuilder. And what he was talking about is like the people that show up. And one thing that he says is, you know, if you never show up, then you'll never even have a chance. And most people are too afraid to. And then he goes into the, like saying, I failed as 10 times more of a man that someone than someone who said, what if, because what if never went to the arena and there's almost yep. like less fucking respect for people that just stand on the fucking sidelines. That's what they say that they give you a lot of that too um, here. Um, especially when people quit or drop um, the, the, the environment for them totally changes as soon as they make that decision. And it's weird that the instructors will respect you more for quitting than not quitting. Cause they're like, if you can make the man's decision and say that this isn't for me, this isn't the training pipeline for me. Um, I'm just, this isn't my time. I'm not ready for this. Then they're like, that's like a huge decision that you've made on your own. And it's like probably the most life impacting decision that you've made so far. And like, we respect that. And um, like, we only wish you the best, blah, blah, blah. So. Um, that makes sense. I know you probably have other stuff. I have one, one, actually one or two more questions. One of them is pretty broad and I'm totally just asking this off the cuff. So you haven't given, had time to think about it, but for you personally, how do you define success? Um, just achieving a set goal. That's the uh, kind of been drilled into us here. Um, success isn't a measurable by effort. It doesn't matter how much, how hard you try or how like it, it, it's, it's everything is definitely not numbers driven, but like you, it, there's a standard that you have to meet. And if you either meet the standard or you don't, um, you can be, that's like, we can, we can, you can here, we have a four mile time run. You have to do four miles in 30 minutes in the sand. Um, you can be a runner from a collegiate like slash Olympic background and you can jog 28 minutes and be, and be two minutes under the standard, or you can be someone who sucks at running. They put in a hundred percent effort. They're throwing up redlining the entire time. They do 30 minutes and 10 seconds as they didn't hit the standard. And that's something that they drill on us on performance too. They're like, it doesn't matter how hard you try. If you're not performing, then this isn't the job for you. So um, it definitely is. There's, it's just a standard that's set and then meeting that standard by whatever means necessary. It could, for some people, it could be less. And for some people, it could be a lot more, but. So your success is, de de is defined by the end outcome. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's one thing, like for me, I kind of think about it a little bit differently. I think of success as, as you giving a hundred percent of everything that you possibly can, because if you give everything you've got, then there's not, what else can you do? Yeah, that's, and that's, I had that same mindset coming in here also. Um, this is the same thing with like when we would do um, drown proofing or the 50 meter underwater. Uh, we have dudes blacking out underwater um, and they have, they have medics and like people in the water on standby. So yet they get pulled out so they don't drown and actually die underwater. Yeah. And they'll, they'll make it maybe 40, 40 meters um, underwater. They'll black out and get resuscitated. Um, they didn't quit. They didn't, they literally held their breath till they like, that's a, an insane amount of discipline and like self-control to hold your breath until you black out. I don't even know if I would be able to do that, but they pulled them out of the water. They resuscitate them and they're like, you failed. 
you didn't do you didn't go 50 meters underwater and you can at least but but that's the that, that kind of goes into the like I failed is 10 times more of a man than someone who said, yeah. what if, because you're at least, tr- so that's success in a way. Yeah. So I, when we have, we'll have um, proctor meetings at the end of every single training day where they'll go over like what we did for the entire day on the day of the 50 meter, he stood up everyone who failed their 50 meter underwater. And um, he was like, he separated like a line. He's like, there's a difference between this group of people who failed over here and this group of people who failed over here. And then he's like, what's the difference? And then these, the, this group of people, they're like, we passed out underwater. And he's like, you guys passed out underwater. He's like, he's like, you, he, so he's like, I reckon, he's like, you failed, but I recognize that you passed out underwater and that's so badass, but you still failed. But like, we understand that like, that is an insane thing. He's like, you guys, you, you quit. You came up for air and you let your panic and, and emotions take control and you rocketed to the surface. These guys did not do that. So they, he will, po- they will point out that, um, that effort that you put in or the, the extent that you'll go through to try to pass something. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a results driven. Um, the world is just results driven and you need to hit, do, you need to hit the standard or else. Cause it, that it's like the same thing with there's a, we'll do, um, a good example that they had us do is this, there's an evolution that's called casualty evacuation or Casavac. And what they do is they have you put on a 35 pound ruck and they have four people carrying a stretcher with a guy laying on it. And they're like, you have this amount of time to basically carry the stretcher down here and back about three miles. And um, you'll do it and it's divided up by your boat crew. And then if you, you'll, they'll secure everyone who makes it within the timeline. And then after they'll, remediate the people who fail and then they'll talk to everyone and they'll be like okay so you had whatever you had uh 40 minutes to go three miles with the stretcher and he's like if this was he's like this is my favorite one of the instructors like this is my favorite evolution because this is real this is real um what if, if one of your buddies gets shot he's like these people could not make it to the medical extraction in the time given so now their friend's dead are these the people that you want on your team and then you sit there and you're like, huh? And he's like, they didn't meet the standard. So whoever's on their stretcher died. That's, that's the reality of the situation. He's like, if you, he's like the reason that we do all of this stuff that we hold you to these standards and we do this because this is, this is what it is. It's life or death. If you don't meet the standard here and you don't meet the standard out in battle, then the end results are you or your friends dying. And though, and you want the people who can't meet the standard on your team. And I kind of, you just kind of sit there and you're like, makes sense that, that makes sense but in like a messed up way do you do you feel like you have any fear going through it fear no um there's definitely some like anxiety and like i think the worst part of every evolution is right before it starts um the mental, you're just, like, the mental fuckery yeah and you're just like god damn it here we go but then once it starts it's not as bad and then once you finish then you're like you feel, feel good because you're like, I just checked another box and this whole pipeline. So yeah, just that not so much fear. I think that fear definitely caught a lot of people right before hell week started um, or right as phase gets started in the first couple of days. But those people typically don't, they don't stay here long. Got it. Okay. No, that's, that's good. And I'm curious if I had anything else written down. I know we've been, talking for a while um oh last one 
so there's a there's a movie called Bleed for This. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a boxing movie, and there's this guy named named Vinny Pazienza, and this guy it's it's based on a true story. Uh, he was a boxer. I think it was back in like the '80s or '90s, and an up and coming guy, super fucking good, tons of potential, and he gets a huge fight, and his buddy gets a brand new car, in right after this announcement happens, and the guy's like, "Hey, let's go for a car ride." They drive down, the, they're driving, they're going down the street and head on collision. When this guy had every single thing going for him, he ended up breaking his neck. Didn't die, but broke his neck, like very, very seriously. And the doctors were like, yeah, we need to fuse your neck together, which means you're never going to fight. You're never going to do really anything again. And the whole premise is this guy just handling all this fucking crazy adversity. But what happens is he basically has those old school halos, those things that are literally screwed into your brain, like into your head, into your skull. And you know what I'm talking about? Like the halo. So he he has that and he starts training while he has a broken neck with the fact that you can literally die. He's doing bench press. He's doing fucking weights and he's doing it in secret because he doesn't want people to know, but he has one person he's telling, he goes through the movie, tons of stuff and he gets back to being able to fight. It, he overcomes every single odd, every single obstacle. It's, it's, it's super, super inspiring. And at the very, very end, he has this big fight and he wins. So it's like this huge comeback story. And at the end, there's a reporter and they're sitting in a room. And the thing that kind of stuck with me is she says, what was the, what was the biggest lie that you were ever told? And he responds and says, it's not that simple. And then she says back, she says, what's not that simple? And he says, no, that's, that's the biggest lie I was ever told. It's not that simple. And then she's like, well, then what's the, what's the truth? And he said that it always was. And that to me kind of like resonated because he was saying like all of it, like people always say, it's not that simple. It's not that easy. They, they give you every single fucking excuse in the book. And for him, he's like, it, it, it was, it, it, it always was that simple. And it always had been for you going through all this stuff. Do you think there's almost like a simplicity mindset of, yes, this is hard, but it's simple. I just know I'm going to do it. I mean, we're not doing like rocket science or brain surgery or anything here. They lit it's That's what, that's the whole thing with first phase. They say, you're going to run four miles and you have 30 minutes to do it. There's no like, fuck, there's no anything insane to do it. You're going to swim two miles. You have 75 minutes to do it. And then from there, it's, it's, you just have to do it. And if you don't do it, then everything that happens after that is a result of your own um, shortcomings. But it's, and they tell you exactly what to do. Everything's, everything's super, everything can be boiled down to stuff that's not complicated at all. And I agree with that where it's like, just make it's do do x factor for y result and that's literally you that's literally everything that is in life and like it's call this person talk to this person pitch this to this person carry this fucking boat over here it's just all it's all it's all the same it's all just super do simplified. the shit do the shit that you need to do that's it yeah that's yeah and definitely that's been an eye-opener from being here and everything that we've done. Um, it's just, just do it. There's so no, what, what's, 
go ahead. As there's, there's the, you can't make an excuse for anything because you'll, whatever excuse that you make, someone else is doing it. It's like, unless something fucking horrible happens, like you break your fucking leg, then like, other than that, it's like, um, they're the guys who are still, they're about to go into their final evolution of hell week where they paddle their boat around the entire island. What's going to be like, my arms and legs are really tired. It's like, okay, everyone else feels that exact same way. Everyone you're else not is special. Yeah, you're not, you're not. And you just need to do it. <laughs> so what's next for you? I know you have, you're waiting on news, all that kind of stuff. Where's your head um, at? I mean, I just want to figure out what's wrong with my leg because there's a lot, it seems to be a lot more medical complications with it than just a broken um, tibia ankle. But um, I got, I got my MRI and test results and all, or I get results, but I did all my testing yesterday and I go back tomorrow morning to see the actual doctor and surgeon and I have surgery next week. Um, but just because it's on a joint and it's in a weird place, um, there, I've, I'm so in the dark on it right now. So right now, like I'm not even thinking about really next steps in this whole thing. I just want to like get my leg fixed first and then just see where it goes from there. If you, if you're able to do it again, are you going to? Yeah, but that won't be for a minute. And it'll be good to have like a mental reset time. Cause if you told me like, Oh, we're going to like go back to week one, day one right now. I'd be like, fuck you. No, that's a lot. That, that, that's something like looking, looking at everything that I had just done and being like, you're going to go do that again real quick. Like this is not the time to think about that at all. Um, that's what we've been seeing with a lot of people who have been quitting or have been getting medically pulled. The first thing they're like, they're like, I can't fucking do this again. I cannot go through all that again. And I'm like, this is the, not the fucking time to be thinking about doing it again. Like just get your shit straight. You're not going to be going through this for like another two or three months. Like, so you're not worried like, about the what, what ifs and you're not getting stressed out and scared of, the future of what if this happens because that fucks you up too no like I you're just, just like oh anymore. my god i'm gonna be <laughs> cold again and have to lay in the ocean um yeah okay i get that it's just, it's just so not i don't know i i feel like before coming here i would have been a lot more like oh my god worried and like what's gonna happen and then like now it's just kind of like whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen and i have literally have no I have had no control over my life since I joined the Navy and I have no control over what's going to happen now. So just going to be figuring out what the problem is and then just dealing with it when that time comes. Well, you don't control what happens, but you control how you react to it. <clears throat> yeah. And I'd rather not be like crippled with anxiety and like worried and not talking to anyone and doing anything. I'd rather just be like, well, it is what it is. Hey, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not fucking with a boat on my head or training right now. So I'm going to enjoy that part of my fucking life while I have a little bit of a break. <laughs> Yeah, no, that makes sense. Totally. Okay. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I had for this time. Um, I would be curious as, as stuff goes through, like literally these different things and different stories, like there's probably a million different things that you can pull from them. But the biggest thing that I think I'm taking away from this that I'm going to talk about tomorrow is going to be uh, that you're more capable than what you think you're capable of. And people often are limited by their own self-talk. And I'm just curious from your standpoint, when was that the most important for you to go through? What, what has been the hardest moment? Because I want to add in a picture and I want to describe it. Do you think it was that, it was that surf torture? Mm. Here's the picture that I've got right now that I just found on Google. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, that looks like they're about <laughs> to start a night evolution. That's actually um, three, four, three. You know any of these? So that, that um, I know a couple of them, but um, yeah, that's actually a super recent class, which is kind of funny. But um, right. that was right after they resumed, right after the COVID stand down. But yeah, that's what that's surf torture. Yeah, those guys in the back who have their like necks looking up right there. Those that you would that would would not bode well for them. There's an instructor right there because they would be screaming at them, put your fucking heads in the water. Your heads aren't in the water. They have you start doing these things called rocking chairs where it's basically like sit-ups with your toes all the way to the ground behind you in the water while the waves are hitting you. So you're like half drowning doing these like weird crunches. That sounds miserable. I can, I can say I've been in the ocean a million times, but I have not had to do that bullshit. Yeah, it's either that or... There's points during when we did um, this thing called base tour where it's sprinting around the base at like one in the morning for like 14 miles with the boat on your head. We did that on Sunday night and there just comes a point where you're like, my, my fucking body is going to die. I can't, I cannot do this anymore. But then they're like, here we go. And you're like, well, we're fucking going again. And then you get to the next like stop. And then you're like, that was the last one. I can't do it anymore. They're like, here we go again. And you're like, fuck, here we go again. And then you, you're, you just keep on going and you keep on going, even when you think that you're done. And then eventually you get to a point where um, the, the worst amount of pain that you're always in is right at the beginning. Um, well, because it's then, the pain and it's the mental, it's the, the mental part plays a big role on that. Yeah. Cause there's a point where you're just that. And I think that's where you lose the most. That's where people will quit. But then there's like just this certain like point that you get over where you're like, this isn't going to stop. It's just going to continue. And I don't know if it's a mental thing or your body is just saying like, well, I guess we're just going to stop firing all these pain signals that we're doing because it's not doing any good. And you don't go numb. It definitely still hurts, but you're just able to kind of just like exist and continue. So yeah. Um, I mean, I can't relate, I cannot relate to that specifically, but it just makes me think of when you're working out and you just get to that last rep and then you're like, all right, like now when you're at your, at the end, that's when the real work starts. And, you know, we did that a yeah. lot at UFC gym when it was, you know, training from a bodybuilding standpoint with everything, right. You have to push to make it just absolutely ridiculous. I remember when you were doing sets of a hundred with these weights and it's like, what the fuck, but that's how you grow. Yeah. That's how you get better. Yeah, because you hit that you hit that weird point, and then that's Second where wind almost. Yeah, and then you that it's just that that's that's the state of mind that um, I was talking about, like that place that you need to go to um, when something's like that horrible that people don't usually go to. It's because everyone stops once they hit that like threshold of like, oh my god, this is horrible. But you can go past that. And once you go past that, it's not as bad as like it was going up. That makes sense. There's like a, it's like a, I don't fucking know, like a graph where it's like pain yeah. versus like endure or like something going on. And so the pain will subside slightly and you'll kind of just be in like a state of mind where you're just like going and you can continue to go. Um, it's just getting past that initial hump that I think the majority of people will not know how to get past there's some people that go through this and they find and they say that you learn the most about yourself through all the pain and suffering and mm -hmm. and some people crave it for, for you do you ever have anything where you almost want 
to learn more because because what that does it, it does strip out all the outer layers right and it just kind of goes to who you are as a core do, do you see that in the pain and suffering or have you not gotten there quite yet because i know i mean you're in the middle <laughs> we of all it got most we people... all got there in the first like we all got there in the first two weeks um where um especially it it's usually like probably either like right at the end of the first week or right in the middle of the second week is when you kind of like you're you're just because you even when you have the weekend off it's not you don't recover you don't have you go into the second week feeling like shit and then the second week is harder than the first week because you're doing boats literally the entire day um and it's just like all of your you ever people change you can tell everyone has changed like their personalities have changed um the way they look at things have changed the way they talk have changed and it's just um I don't know everyone who if you come in here and you make it the first month then you're not the same person coming out because hmm. it definitely takes you down to that point where it'll be like on like a Wednesday and you haven't slept in two or three days and you're still expected to perform and do stuff and you just it's just it just it eats away at you and then whatever's left is whatever you actually are and that's what they're seeking to do is like take you down to that point where you're just at like you're it because motivation doesn't exist at that point anymore. You're not motivated to do anything. Um, that's something that they told us too. They're like, especially during hell, like you're not going to be motivated. Nothing's going to motivate you to be here. You're not going to want to be here. You're going to feel like shit. And it's, they said it, they're like, it's going to be discipline at that point that gets you through everything. So just kind of you're why you're here. And then just being able to be like, put your head down and fucking go is and just continue on like one step one minute, one hour, or like one meal at a time and just continuing to like make small incremental victories for yourself. Yeah. Task by task. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that, that, that makes sense. And that's interesting. Yeah. And, and, some, and I think some people also like, they want to get into that level, like endurance athletes and they want to be tested and they want to have that. So not necessarily just from the instructor standpoint, but I almost think there is kind of that like masochistic sense of like, Hey, I'm doing this and you want to learn who you are as a person. Cause that, that's like, I mean, there's no other way that you get that fucking result unless you're in the extremes. Yeah. And you see that with some people and they don't make it. <clears throat> um, they typically get dropped by the staff for that. Cause they, they can very easily identify who's here to, be a team guy and to do the job and who's here to do buds and say they did buds as like a, Oh yeah, I did buds as a fucking mental. That that's not going to, that's not going to, that's not going to work. Yeah. Cause motivation is like, motivation is like kindling. What is, is the best way that I've heard it said where it's, it's, it, you get a lot of it right at the beginning and you know, kindling, right. You're going to, you can burn paper and like small, small fucking sticks, but that shit's going to be gone real quick. And if you don't have the discipline to back it up, you're fucked. Yep. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, yeah, dude, I, I, uh, I do want to talk more about other stuff later on. I know we've been talking for quite some time, but this is super, uh, valuable. I'm going to end the recording, uh, for all the, for all the future millions of listeners out there. <laughs>